So six weeks ago, we began a series through Luke chapters 1 and 2. And we began with the promise of Jesus coming, and we looked at the anticipation and, and the, the promise from the angel Gabriel that John the Baptist would be born to prepare the way, and Jesus, he was coming. We looked at some songs of praise about Jesus and his coming. The song of Mary and the song of Zechariah. And then we looked at the birth of Jesus. And last week, we talked about the three witnesses of Jesus that we see in Luke chapter 2, verses 20 to 39. Well, now this week, we're going to talk about the childhood of Jesus. And it brings us to a really unique passage of Scripture this morning. There have been a lot of legends told about Jesus' childhood, many tales written after the fact, stuff about Jesus bringing clay birds to life, and uh, some actually really nasty stuff like killing a little, little kid who, who is uh, being mean to him. It's just not, not who Jesus is in scriptures. But there is this one account in all of scripture that covers the time between Jesus' birth and the beginning of his ministry. And instead of sensational miracles or vindictive or cruel behavior, we learn that Jesus is fully aware of himself and his mission at this point. In his young life, he knew who he was and why he had come. He was the son of God and he had come to do his father's will. When we look at Jesus' childhood. We learn what it is to be human. He grew up in wisdom and strength. He learned. He depended on God. He submitted to his parents like any other child. Jesus was fully human and he was perfect. The scripture testifies that he was subject to all the temptations that we face, yet without sin. And we're called to follow him by faith. And we learn from Jesus' childhood not only about his humanity, but his deity. We see that he knew his identity as the son of God and his purpose to do the will of his father. Later in his life, Jesus would say that the one who has seen me has seen the father and the one who knows me knows my father. Also, John 14 and verses seven and nine. And also in John 1030, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So we see that Jesus reveals God the Father to us. For he is God the Son and he came to do his Father's will. As Jesus grew, he showed us perfect humanity. He showed us his identity and he showed us his purpose. Ultimately, we know that this boy, Jesus, would one day die and rise again. 
so that we by faith in him alone might grow to become like him. We turn to Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. We see this summary of Jesus' childhood. And uh, verse 40 of Luke chapter 2 reads, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And that sums up the whole of Jesus' childhood, his young life. He grew in every area of life, wisdom, strength, and favor with God. It's an amazing statement. Jesus came to earth and he grew like any other boy, but he was no ordinary boy. And so we're given this account, this one account of of an event that happened towards the end of Jesus' childhood. When his parents went to Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover. So let's uh, continue reading Luke 2.41 and on. Luke 2.41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast had ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. And then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. We'll just stop there for a moment. This is sort of the setting, the beginning of our story. We see that like all religious Jews, um, Jesus and his family made the trip to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. He tells us that he was 12 years old, and he's described in verse 43 as, as a boy. Now, Typically, age 12 was the final year of preparation before, before a young boy entered full participation in the synagogue. Nowadays, it's, uh, in later years, it became known as what we know as the bar mitzvah where they could be called the son of the commandment at age 13. So you might say that the boy Jesus was almost a man. He's entering adulthood and and we're going to see, um, learn from him and what he knows of himself. It's a wonderful story. Now, his parents were on their way back and they realized all of a sudden that he stayed behind. It's pretty normal for large family groups to travel together. You didn't want to travel in those days just all by your, your, yourself. It's dangerous. And, uh, and so they would mingle together and maybe the cousins would be playing with each other. And as a boy, sometimes you'd be with your, your dad and you'd be helping with the animals and the luggage. And maybe you'd be with your your mom and helping out with the little kids. And, and so it's all of a sudden, by the end of the day, they're realizing they don't know where Jesus went. And so they, they return to look for Jesus. A lot of people have wondered 
You know, why did Jesus stay behind? Did he just forget? Like, isn't he God? Did he, did he get lost? That's sort of the Sunday school story that I hear. Well, you know, we're not told. So I have, I have trouble making up a story for you to tell you there. I'd love to, to know some of the answers. There's a lot of questions I have about Jesus' childhood. But personally, I believe Jesus stayed behind because of his desire to be in the temple, in his father's house. It seems to be where he wanted to be, where he understood he was supposed to be. So whether he did that intentionally in staying behind or or whether he forgot, it doesn't matter so much as the fact that he was right where he belonged. And he was doing what he was supposed to do. As, a, as we read later on, he said, I must be in my father's house or some translations, I must be about my father's business. Jesus, even as a child, knew and did the will of his father in heaven. So let's look at what happened. This is sort of set the stage. Jesus is behind in Jerusalem and his parents are looking for him. And in verse 46... We read, after three days, they found him. Where did they find him? They found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard them were amazed at his understanding and his answers. It was, it was common practice in those days for, for teaching to be a little bit more like a, a dialogue. And so, so here we, we find Jesus has come and he's in the temple. He's in the dwelling place of God and he's learning. He's listening to the teachers and he's asking questions. And they would ask questions back to see whether you were you were learning. And and it was kind of a way of testing in a sense. And and uh, they would converse back and forth. It's interesting that this is the only place in the Bible that the teachers of the law are referred to as teachers. Elsewhere, they're referred to as scribes and, and then they, the different titles of different groups. There's the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and so on. But here they're called teachers. And yet after this point, we see that in the Bible, in the Gospels, Jesus is the teacher. And yet here he's in a place of learning. It's the only time we see him really learning from the scribes and the Pharisees rather than being the teacher. He asked and he listened. And the teachers were amazed at his level of understanding and the answers that he gave to their questions. Jesus' wisdom really shines through this whole account. In fact, it begins there and it ends there. It talks about him growing and he grew in wisdom. 40 and 42. Jesus Christ took the place of a student. He wasn't arrogant, though he amazed them with his his knowledge that he knew the law and the word of God so well. And you know, this mystery of how the all-knowing God 
who created the universe grew in wisdom may leave some people, many of us, with questions. How does that work? Well, the simplest way that I can explain it to you is that Jesus surrendered his ability to know all things. He subjected himself to what God the Father wanted him to know. You see, in Philippians, we're told that Jesus took on human form. He became a man. And as John 1 tells us, the the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And much of what that looks like and how that was is a mystery to us. But to be human involves learning and growing and being totally dependent on God. And so Jesus willingly became like us, even subjecting himself to learn just like any other child. And that, you know, sometimes we think about um, his death, and that was humbling. Boy, I'll tell you. But the fact that God would learn like any other child, that he would grow up, is, is an amazing, humbling thing as well. And in doing that, Jesus demonstrates for us perfect humanity. In every way and at every stage, he grew as God intended us to. His life was untainted by sin. For he always did the will of his Father. As Jesus grew, we see that he reveals to us perfect humanity, if you will. And he also revealed his identity and purpose. Let's continue reading in verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. When his parents finally found him, they were amazed. They were upset and scared all in one. I mean, their son had just been lost in their their eyes. And then here he was in the temple. What's going on? From their astonishment, it would seem they were quite surprised at where they found him. But ironically, Jesus' response reveals that he is amazed. He's amazed that they didn't know where to find him. He says, why why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? It seemed that Jesus thought they should know. They should know why he was where he was and what was going on. The phrase, I must be in my father's house, uh, I mentioned earlier that it could be translated, I must be about my father's business. Really hard to, to, to decide between the two because literally it says, in or about my father's things. So it doesn't specify, and so you've got to decide what, it, what it's referring to, what things. 
But I don't think it's that part that was a puzzling statement to his to his parents. It says they didn't understand in verse 50. The puzzling part was what he said about my my father. Jesus wasn't referring to to Joseph. He's referring to God as his father. For they were in God's house, the temple. And to call God father was was very unusual. Uh, it wasn't exactly a kosher term to use. It wasn't a normal or acceptable thing to, to call God father because God was this great and mighty God. He was over all. And, and to, to use that term and kind of implied being of the same nature and status as God. To be a son in that culture was, was to be an heir of all that the father had and to, to have the same rights as God. And so it's significant that the first words of Jesus recorded in the Gospels clearly establish his divine sonship. Jesus knew his identity, that he was God's son. In other parts of, of the New Testament, we read that he is God's one and only son, his unique Son. Not only did he know um, his identity, he also knew his purpose. Here it says, I must be in my father's house. I must be where my father is, or if you will, doing what my father has called me to do. Both of those things are connected. The, the being in the house of God and being about your father's business. Because if you're a part of the house, if you're a son, your role is to do God's, God's will. And so to be with God, to be in a relationship, to be connected to God is to do his will. Jesus later said his purpose this way. He said in John 6, verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's a pretty amazing purpose. And Jesus knew his purpose here. He knew that he was to do the, the will of, of his Father in heaven. There's a, a lot we may not know about Jesus' childhood, but this we do know. By the age of 12, Jesus knew his identity and his purpose, that he was God the Son, that he had come to do his Father's will. He had come so that those who believe in him might have eternal life. Jesus knew who he was. It was his parents who had forgotten who he was. 
Though they knew that their son was the promised Messiah, they, they still didn't understand fully what Jesus meant. Even though they didn't completely understand, we read and in the last two verses, verses 51 and 52, that Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. He did that even though they didn't fully understand. And it says that his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She began to think about these things. I believe that as she treasured them and pondered them, that she began to understand more of who Jesus was. And I think we will as well as we treasure the, the word of God in our hearts. And verse 52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so it ends the way that it began. Jesus grew in every aspect of his life until the time of his public ministry. He grew and, and he even submitted to his parents for that time. As Jesus grew, he showed us perfect humanity. He showed us his identity and he showed us his purpose. We learned that he's God's one and only son, that he came to do his father's will. Well, there's a lot of implications to this account of Jesus' childhood. A lot of things to think about. It was kind of overwhelming for me at first as I thought about, you know, what does this mean? as we look forward to it, as we consider all of Jesus' life and, and his death and resurrection. And I think uh, one of the things that stands out the most in my mind is that we see Jesus lived as we were created to live. He shows us, if you will, I'm not sure if this is the best terminology, but perfect humanity and what i mean by that is is he shows us how god created us to live that our purpose as human beings created in the image of god is is to to imitate our creator god to do his will to love and serve and obey him and jesus did this perfectly but Jesus didn't just show us perfect humanity as though he's this model. You've got to live up to Jesus is, is, is sort of the... And, and No, he did, does more than that. The boy Jesus said, Don't you know that I must be about the things of my father? He came to do his father's will. And as we read in that passage in John, and there's other places where we see that he came to reconcile a world of people who have rebelled against God, a world of people who are not perfect. That standard, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, we've all fallen short of. But he came. So that we might be conformed to his image and likeness. He became human. He lived a, a sinless life. And he went to the cross in, in obedience to his father. Yes, the cross was a part of his father's will. And, and he 
joyfully and willingly chose that for himself, that path. So that by his obedience, an obedience that was even to death on a cross, we might live by faith in him. Those who believe in Jesus, Scripture tells us, we're enabled to live a life that is holy and blameless before God. That's the purpose for which he has saved us, that we might be sanctified, made holy. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, we we read this glorious good news that he became sin, who knew no sin, There he is, he's perfect, human, that that we might become the righteousness of God. That we might be given what we do not deserve, that we might bear the clothes of, of his righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, tells us he hath, by one offering, uh, perfected the saints once for all. By his one offering, he hath once for all perfected the saints. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you have been made perfect, righteous in standing before the Lord because Christ was perfect? Because he went to the cross. You believe that he died to offer you righteousness and life and hope and a place in the family of God to where we can be called the son of God. And the spirit testifies within us. Spirit testifies that you're a child of God if you believe these things. And as a child of God, we are to follow Christ and we're to grow up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, just as as Jesus Christ did. Like Jesus, we're to learn and to grow. I mean, if, if even he went through a process of learning. How much more should we? Listen and learn and ask questions and seek to know God and his word and his will in our lives. Reminded me um, of a a verse that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said, "If, if somebody imagines that they know something, they don't know as they ought to know. He's he's saying if we if we start to think, you know, I've got it. And we're the man, we have the wrong attitude. We're to look to, again, always the Father and His will, depend on Him. That's, that's what humility is. That's what we were created to be as human beings. We're not totally autonomous. We need the Lord, our Creator. Just a, a good reminder that of humility and the willingness to learn, continue to grow. To acknowledge that we all have areas to grow in. 
and identify those things and to seek that we would become more like Christ. Like Jesus, we ought to learn and grow. And, and like Jesus, God's children show their His. It becomes clear that you belong to Christ when your desire is to be with Him, to be in His presence, to listen to Him and to do His will. That's what shows that we are children of God, that we love one another, that we keep His commandments. That our desire is to be with Him. We look forward to the new heavens and new earth when we'll dwell with the Lord forever. Does your life reflect that you must be in your Father's house? God's children show their His when they delight to be with Him. As Jesus grew, he showed us perfect humanity. He showed us his identity and his purpose, that he's God's son, that he came to do the will of his father. He came so that those who believe in him might grow to become like him.